in a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts. You have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. Each week, we drop a podcast about news and films and all the things and fandom in between. Anyway, let's talk about people I've got on this pod. I'll start with my main boy, my Chewy to my Han, my Adolf to my Jojo. John, how you doing, pal? <laughs> I've never been Adolf to anyone, but honoured. Happy um, New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2020. So this will probably drop over the, over the probably Sunday. So, yep. and most people listen to this on Monday, so it's the 6th of January. That is your official last day you can say Happy New Year to people. It just goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, just, now I think you can say it all year. Fuck it. 2020, <laughs> it's an exciting named year. Let's did, just keep it going. What did you do over New Year's? What was your We your flew back from Berlin because we were at a wedding. But do you know what was really cool? We flew back over Berlin and you could see the fireworks from above and it looked like World War Three. That's a bit pertinent right now. Sorry, future people, if you're actually in World War Three, but the Berlin looks like World War Three because there's just fireworks going off all over the city constantly, and it it was really cool. But um, no, we we came home and had an early night because we're boring. <laughs> What about and you? The, well, thank you, actually. Well, my New Year's was quite chill to be honest. My daughter was is born, was, is. Her birthday <laughs> is on New Year's Day, so we kind of try and... We're doing a midnight thing, watched a hoot nanny, and then went to bed. But uh, that's about it, really, getting really old. That's an easy... That's good for her, isn't it? She remember her, her age. She knows exactly how old. Yeah, we watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. So, actually, it's quite cool. What we do in the dead zone between Christmas and New Year's is... Because it used to be me and my wife go to cinema all the time. It was our thing. We've watched hundreds, if not thousands, of movies together. But kids and life kind of get in the way. So now I'm a sad guy who goes to the cinema on my own all the time. But at, during this sort of dead zone, I say, yeah, I sit down with my wife and go, oh, these are the films you have missed over the year. And we, we go, like, over the week, each night, we pick a different film. And on New Year's Eve, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's so nice. What a good ritual. Well, it's, it's nice. Also, although she, she don't listen to the podcast, so fuck it, it's fine. <laughs> I have this other ritual, which is, I've started it this year, was... I tell my wife I go back to work on the 3rd of January. I oh. don't. I just go to the cinema and I watch JoJo Rapid. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that is a confession. That is a confession. That is a confession. You but, know what? Uh, it's a form of work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how, you, that's how I get my spirit back. It's mm-hmm. sort of work, isn't it? Can we, we can write off these microphones and everything on me? It's fine. It's We're fine. It's money. fine. It's a business expense. It's, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, and the other voice you have heard is John's lovely wife, but more importantly, star of the West End, the things like <laughs> Company, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm well, Flinty. You're far too kind. <laughs> far too generous. He's good at bigging you up, isn't he? And I love he's it. He's good at bigging anyone up. You I should come you with me. Not too long ago, I'm sorry mate. I didn't make you You should come with smile. me to audition. <laughs> Shall I be your hype man? I'm your hype man. I'm your hype man. I'll come out and be like, people, put your hands together. <laughs> when you are hired. You're hired. I can't pay you yet. <laughs> Maybe someday. Well, just uh, I'll, I'll do my Alec Guinness and ask for a percentage. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, right, should we crack on the first review? Here's Marshall Jojo. You're a fuck man. Prepare to leave the house. Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, <laughs> ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Mars! 
Of course you can. Jojo Rabbit is the latest movie directed and written by Taika Waititi. His star continues to shine. This film actually started life about 10 years ago. He wrote the screenplay to it, but then Taika was pulled into projects like What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, and then he kept getting money thrown at him. It wasn't only until he agreed to do Four Ragnarok and then had some spare time to go, you know what, I'm going to dust off this script, and he managed to bring it to fruition. There was one condition which the film studio, uh, I think it was Fox Searchlight said, was... You've got to play Hitler in this. <laughs> really? No one, like, who else can we get to, like, take this role? And originally, Taika did not want to take any role in this. He was kind of stepping away from acting to focus on his writing. But then every time he was speaking to an actor, he realised that only he could do it in the way he wanted to because otherwise it would be... It would be Tom Cruise as Hitler. Do you know what I mean? It'll be like a big name. Or if it's an up-and-coming actor, they'll just be known as Hitler for the rest of their career. So it kind of works out for the best. Anyway, sorry, that's a really shit intro, isn't it? Um, so basically, it's a comedy movie. It's starring Taika Waititi, in case you couldn't tell, uh, as Adolf Hitler, the imaginary creature concoction of a boy called Jojo set during the Second World War. It's got Scott Johansson, Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, and a bunch of other talented people to boot as well. Let's fucking go straight into it. What was your first thought of this film? Uh, spoilers? No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay, that's good to know. I absolutely loved it. We saw it literally three hours ago <laughs> in the cinema. So this is super fresh. Super fresh. And for, yeah, it, I'd give it a super fresh if I was Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I just there's so much to love about it. Shall we go through a couple of reasons? Go on, John. I got notes. I always write. You bring your A game, son. I my A game. Um, no, I'm just looking at my phone, just reading texts. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it was. I really encapsulated all the things you learn about at school with World War Two, isn't it? It mm. had the burning of the books. It has uh, the demonization of Jews. Uh, tons of jokes. It. Made you feel very uncomfortable, but then halfway through the movie, you were kind of in the world, and it was okay, right? Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. So, like the whole the whole film is focused around this little boy called Jojo. Uh, he starts by going to Nazi camp. He's a Nazi fanatic, and uh, an accident happens at the Nazi camp, meaning he has to go home and basically stay there and help around the home. Not going to go into much more spoiler territories than that. But in between these moments is his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, pops up and has a little chat with him and does in a very hilarious style. Now, it does great to begin with, to be fair, like especially some of the anti-Semitism in the humour, but it's meant to be, obviously. Uh, in fact, Taika Waititi keeps tweeting these videos of, I can't remember what it is, but it's one of the most captured Hitler movies of all time where it's him it's, it's an old film and he's talking about something and people keep dubbing stuff over it and there's one oh, where yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like yeah, him yeah. going ah, da, da, and yeah. um, it's Damn, dubbed yeah. over just with with uh, what's that Taika Waititi a brown Polynesian Jew is going to be playing me in a movie <laughs> ah! and he flips out and you know he doesn't hold back he doesn't try and make it realistic he's being he's being a hilarious horrible his, person his portrayal of Hitler is genius because best. <laughs> the best I've seen, in my opinion, because he, he he it kind of follows Hitler's arc from becoming a leader and eventually blowing his brains out. Right? Yeah. He starts off this charismatic, uh, friendly guy who wants to help you when you're at your lowest point, as Jojo was, and then by the end of it, he's just kind of going nuts. He's screaming at everyone and he's he's going a little crazy. So I thought it's 
really interesting the way he sort of portrayed Hitler through the movie. Uh, and also, I don't know anyone who could make Hitler as comedic as that. I mean, a lot of people do. But, but likable as well. I'm not obviously not at, at the end, <laughs> but like, yeah, you'd never think you're going to root for anything to do with Hitler. And obviously you don't. There's so much horrible <laughs> anti-Semitism, but they kind of make it... It's, 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 it's tongue-in-cheek. Charming. Tongue in, yeah. Almost charming. Almost. It, it's, it's, yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's tongue-in-cheek. So it's almost like communicating the fact that like weren't these guys total idiots look at this shit mm. they did but also it's supposed to be through the guise of Jojo which by the way this young man called Roman Griffin Davis I probably oh. pronounced that wrong fucking brilliant like that amazing kid's got a amazing actor mm. but the concept is that this isn't Adolf Hitler this is this kid's interpretation Idea. Of it, right? so yeah. the language and the way they communicate between them is very much like two ten year old boys mm. yeah. and there's something so charming and scary and hilarious and all those things you know, all happening at the same time there is also an, a story element I won't go into the spoiler details but basically uh, a, a stowaway is living in the house and uh, Jojo reacts to this stowaway living in the house in case you couldn't tell it's a Jew and he runs away and hides because he hears all these demonisations and there's one particular line of dialogue between him and his, his Adolf Hitler imaginary friend who pops up and goes oh that's intense and he just goes what should we do and he interrupts him and just goes burn down the house and blame Winston Churchill <laughs> no okay we'll try something else it's just, just the, the dialogue is so snappy you can tell it's something that's been punched for 10 years in terms yeah. of like yeah. you can tell it's been worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to the point where it's it's at the best it can be it's been critiqued to a point where I think it's a perfect snappy script mm. it's a snappy film it's, it's very snappy it's like I think an hour and 45 like it's not a particularly long film really and it flies yeah it, it flows really, and it flies yeah it? it's gorgeous sorry it's 108 gorgeous minutes that's it uh, but you, you you just love the pacing there's never a slow moment in this mm. no let's talk about some of the, the side cast in this as well so um, I've if you listen to the end of your podcast, I said Rebel Wilson is one of those people who had a fucking terrible 2019. She is starting 2019 with a bang. But I think people like Sam Rockwell, who uh, we're talking about it off mic, he seems to actively look for roles where he's playing someone either racist or xenophobic or whatever. But he, he's fascinating. But Scarlett Johansson, I think, deserves an Oscar in this. There's something, the way she performs in this film, there's so much levity, there's so much truthfulness in her portrayal yeah. and at the same time she is still really fucking funny yeah she is and she's like the mom she she plays uh jojo's mom and she's like the mom everyone wishes they had in a way you know what i mean super cool mom and it was really nice to see that portrayal in world war ii she gives the film because obviously the backdrop is so bleak mm. and nasty she gives such life to that. Yeah. Um, she's a she's a friend and she's a hero. Mm. There's so much there's just so much heartwarming goodness there. Yes. Stephen Merchant. Uh, oh, let's talk about him. So he has basically one It's one scene. One scene. Yeah. Uh slightly dodgy accent, but that could be said about a few people, but I mean it's not something you really want to put up in this movie. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, really love Stephen Merchant. He plays a Gestapo officer. Gestapo. Yeah, yeah. Gestapo. Like the head Sorry. Head. Dodgy accent. He's, <laughs> he's so creepy, but so good. And I, I just wanted more of him, even though, like, there is a, again, without going into spoilers, but there's a scene where, you know, as you can tell by his role, he has to inspect houses and he has to inspect a house. And the tension and the creepiness, whilst mm. at the same time he undercuts it with his own brand of, of humour, 
and oh, I loved it. Mm, yeah, really great portrayal. Um, I thought it was the whole film. It's seeing World War Two for the eyes of a child. I thought that's not something I'd really seen before Mm-mm. in a movie, and I thought it was really refreshing and lovely because everyone knows, you know, war is a big serious thing, but this kind of shows the absurdity of it all, doesn't it? When yeah. It's, when you're watching it through the eyes of a 10-year-old who's trying to learn about stuff and believing any propaganda that he, 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 he you know, gets thrown at him and you can forgive him for being a kid, but it's, you know, it's it just brings out the whole absurdity of war. I think it did a really good job of satirising just war in general you know mm. and I think maybe it's just because you know a sign of the times but you can watch that film and you can obviously not take the fact that it's Germany in the second world war take that out of the equation but the actual way the dialogue is put together and the way it's describing the situation describing the ways you should be treating each other you know there's a lot of lessons to be learned of that right now it's and timeless yes yeah, there's something yeah. timeless about this movie I hard easy to say film of the year so far <laughs> so far but it's been so good and I've gutted that we has taken so long for us to be seeing it so our US audiences will be like what are you talking about this film now it came out ages ago because it did come out ages ago in the States in fact the UK is like the last the last country to actually get this yeah I know that sucks right but uh, the fact is that we get to enjoy it now let's talk about actually before we go into the reviews a lot of film Twitter and a lot of the critics are on the fence on the how do I describe this? Offence. The offence. The offensiveness of this film. Mm. And I think they can suck a bag because, in all honesty, I just generally love the movie and I can you can obviously see the difference between actual hate and, and a fictional film. But only Taika Waititi could pull this off. Mm. Like, let's, let's be straight, though. No one else, like, anyone else made... Imagine if Ricky Gervais made this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. No one else could make this film. But what's your thoughts on that? It's interesting that you said it was he, he wrote it 10 years ago, started writing it, because it does feel like maybe a topic you wouldn't touch now with anti-Semitism um, so high up. But I, I agree with you, Flinny. I think, I think if you're an idiot who doesn't understand the satire and the humour... It's kind of clickbaity as well, right? It's like the same people who said, I think Joker's going to be problematic. They're yeah. probably the same people that are like... A saying, reporter's being offended on behalf of... Some imaginary friends that they don't have. Yeah. But yeah. The, but if you... I think in the context of the film, obviously it is inflammatory. Obviously no one... I mean, hopefully no one is going into the cinema and thinking, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I agree <laughs> with Hitler. But the, it seems to me that the takeaway of the movie is that, that all of that was the absurdity that people had to fight against and were brave enough to rise up and fight against, even though that was the stronger side. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like all of that offensiveness in the context of the movie f- fits. You, if you have to... But like, what do we want? Not making movies about times where there was race... You- also, you have to. You have to... That actually happened. Mm, like, so. And obviously, that's not a true story. But the, but the yeah. persecution of Jews and the misrepresentation of the Jewish people has happened and mm. we have to see the absurdity of that and yeah, how I mean, wrong it was yeah and there's a, there's, a, there's a scene where essentially Jojo is doing a book and I'm not I'm not doing it justice but basically <laughs> he is trying to characterise what the Jewish people are because he wants to understand and because he wants to get to know his enemy and 
the cartoonism used in that is clearly there to add levity to the stupid idea that these people are any different to you mm. and me. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot see that, then you probably have a lot more problems than this movie. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, in reality. And if you're standing on your soapbox complaining about it, to John's point, you're probably standing up for the wrong cause at the wrong time. You know, there's other things in the world that you should be fighting a lot more than this movie. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it, it just... The heart was in the right place for the throughout the movie, and I, I never really doubted it. Really, um, I think one thing really impressed me was the sort of production of the set and the costuming. It it was a comedy satirizing the World War Two, but it completely encapsulated that. It it looked like a perfect era. period drama. Yeah, you would you'd expect visually. this sort of uh, sort of how do you describe it? Very. Uh, Totally forgotten my words. Sorry, boys. Like a Girls. lighter, like a lighter movie. Maybe you didn't always expect yeah. such a high production value. Yeah, you figured that you can, you can forgive informalities in the detail because that's not the point. But yeah. there was a lot of attention. One of the things that I, is it illegal to have swastikas now? Or I was thinking this when I, did they have to CG them in? Because basically they literally took over. I mean, they must have took over. I don't know where, but obviously some very nice European town and they turned that into the focus of the movie and they literally coloured it in swastikas hanging everywhere and I was just thinking isn't it like really like, where do you get that stuff from now right is there a company oh, that specialises in making this now I think there's well there's movies made about Nazis every year yeah so it's just dust there's out the other there houses, <laughs> yeah, prop yeah, the houses. houses their whole business is swastikas I'm sure well, with that in mind, let's talk about some reviews that have been posted up on Rotten. We'll go with people that say it's fresh so far because there's quite a divide in what the critics and the and you know the people say. So critics have got this at 79% at fresh, so it's still you know favourable, but not necessarily as high as the audience that is saying it's at 95%. I feel like I'm very much in the audience camp there. Me too. I'm with the audience. And uh, let's let's hear what a critic has said who's been positive about this. So this is. Paul Bynes from Sydney Morning Herald, and I quote, Jojo Rabbit is bold in its envision of expectations and reimagining of a familiar subject. There's nothing trivial about it. It's all right. Uh, I'm going to talk about what Peter Bradshaw at The Guardian has said. Obviously, Peter, we respect you and your opinion, but this is what you have said. And I quote, A pointless Hitler spoof yar adventure with a 12A certificate, obtusely essentiating little kid cuteness with optimism amid the quaintity image non-horror. Now, that's just fucking dribble, to be honest. I, I love this movie. I... I don't think it's pointless at all. I don't. It's supposed to be a spoof. The kids. Yeah. It's the kids' interpretation of him. What film are you saying, seeing Pete? But uh, it's not pointless. It's a. It's a movie about rising we need up it against more the now. forces of yeah. evil. Yeah, and it's important. Yeah, and it might not. He's obviously not the audience because he has uh, very long and intelligent words. Yeah, <laughs> idiots, <laughs> like, idiots like us enjoyed it, and we understand uh, more about the horrors of Nazism. All for the better for well, it. Well, so. you know, as the kid said, <laughs> it's a bad time to be a Nazi. <laughs> oh my gosh, how cute was that little friendship? His little best friend. I wanted more of it though, the Me little too. BFFs. That was so, so cute. So Jojo has a, a best friend, which basically, the trailers make it look like it's about him and mm, Jojo a them. lot, the two of them a lot. Well, it's not really, in fact. It's only kind of, 
he, he pops up to remind you he's still there. But that's, I, I thought that was quite a Just some of the, the, the lines of dialogue and the way he delivered it was, yeah, I'm only 11, but they drafted me in. Oh, is this your armour? Yeah, it's made out of paper or something. <laughs> I just loved, I thought, like I say, the relationship was so charming. So cute. Yeah, There's beautiful. so many subtle digs in this movie at the Nazi army and the whole Nazi regime. Yeah. <laughs> that was just one of them. The the fact that his, his uniform was made of paper. Um, yeah, it was just, I was so, I cried so much in this movie, which isn't saying very much. John will know this. I do a lot of crying in my life. I have a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. But oh, I've, I've, I'm with you on this. There's oh. one particular scene. I won't say anything more than that because once you've seen it, well, you you'll know, know what we're talking about. You'll know. I bought it in the cinema. I was just like, oh man, that's beautiful. And the, the shot and the cinematography for that scene because yeah. it just subtly... It's beautiful is not the right word, sorry, but there's, there's something, the way it was put together and orchestrated. Yeah. It, was yeah. like a, it was like a magician guiding the room yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden because you've been laughing 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 and then all of a sudden you are Stop flipping that switch yeah. stops dead and it's he manages poignant. to do that better than anyone doesn't he I think Taika Waititi and there was five other, at least five other moments of like work, camera work that was just phenomenal oh yeah. gorgeous beautiful cinematography beautiful sort of imagery of that part of the world as well oh. I and thought. Who knew? So many pop songs in German sound really good. Still. <laughs> oh, I loved hearing those. The Beatles song at the start, uh, I Wanna Hold Your Hand in German, with the backdrop of Nazi camps yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and basically yeah. tried to imply that Hitler was the Beatles of his, like, yeah. his country. Yeah. Like, it was such in a... the eyes of the boy, maybe yeah. not in reality. But that's how Hitler wanted to be portrayed. That's how he yeah. wanted people to see him. But and, in the and... eyes of the... you, That put you in Jojo's world straight away, this really uncomfortable... Fanatic. It, 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 yeah. it, made, it, it put you straight away. That's such a great way of putting it. From the first instance, you hear that song, you see the montage, you see his bedroom... And like how a kid who's obsessed with a band or a footballer or a celebrity, his celebrity was Adolf Hitler. And mm. that means the posters are up, he wore the outfits, he knew his speeches off by heart. And there's something really... <laughs> it was so... There, he's also this sweet little kid, though. So it's like the, the perfect kind of dichotomy of like this sweet little guy who doesn't want to hurt anything. And, but he's also like, no, I love Hitler. Sorry, you were about to say something. I'm no, 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 man. You, you, you nailed it far better than I ever will. Anyway, let's uh, let's give this a score. Um, I'm feeling five. I'm feeling five out of five. Yeah, I was a firm five after the movie and still. What do you reckon, Jamie? I'll be a firm five. Firm five. Go. So there you have it. Jojo Rabbit, a firm five. <laughs> News. So, John, I don't want to kick this film too much because, let's face it... Kick it when it's down. It's, it's already been kicked <laughs> quite a bit. But, you know, the, the filmy people who subscribe uh, would know that we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. So, Cats came out same day as Skywalker. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Skywalker. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. And um, Have you seen it? No. no I've been no. slagging it off for six months. I'm not going to be <laughs> one of the hate critics that slag off a film for ages and then go see it because mm. you, you've already got your axe grinded. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. There's nothing I can say or review that is going to A, make people want to listen to us talk about it or B, going to aid anyone in making their decision. Watch the trailer. If you like it, you're going to fucking love the film. <laughs> if, you, if you've seen that trailer and see what we see, then, you know, that's it. Anyway, that aside, because I don't want to kick it while it's down, but this is more newsworthy, is that this was rushed. 
um, the effects were rushed quite a mm. bit. Who would so have known? Who would have known? And this is actually down to the director, um, and I'll go into the technical reason as to why from what I gathered anyway. But essentially, this was rushed so much that an additional cut of the movie had to be resent to cinemas. And the reason why was because there's one particular scene she's doing around on social media where you can see Jane Doody Dench's character with human hands. Even more creepy. Even more fucking creepy, <laughs> right? And it's just it's just insane. But the reason why this has happened was because Dennis Hopper, the director, um, decided he wanted to capture their performance, but not in the traditional methods that we use now. Mm. He was using a method which is kind of used in yesteryear, which is you're just going to act and we will superimpose over. There'll be no capture of the performance done. Right. So instead of them having like dots all over them or mm. at least the grey suit they just wore a fucking leotard and done their thing so the right. animators who would have been mightily pissed at this <laughs> had to painstakingly add it as they go along now this is very this is very expensive this and is very cats have hair which makes it even hair. harder yeah, as so, we learned from Monsters so Inc so anyone who worked on that movie like fair play <laughs> because you had an insurmountable challenge to begin with so they had to spend an additional X million dollars to put this additional CGI work over the top of it. And I'm not saying that's why you got a bad film. And who knows? There are going to be people out there. Like, Cats has a cult-like following. There's a reason why it's one of the longest-running Broadway musicals ever. It's because it's got people that absolutely adore it. And there will be people out there that absolutely adore this movie. So for you guys, bully. But for the rest of the world, and into the point they've taken it out of the award. You know, they entered it into loads of awards mm. for one song. They've removed that now because of the backlash. I kind of feel sorry for that, but at the same time, not really. I admire the boldness of it, you know, but uh, it's... Yeah, it's but Dennis Hopper to not listen to anyone's <laughs> advice on best practice of motion capture. Well, it's amazing that no one... I guess there must be people checking for this stuff, and even they were like, uh, I might take a pass on watching this and just... Yeah, it's all good, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Let's move on. So, where is Q8? There you go, John. Mm. That's a good question. Um, So, let's talk about uh, the Uncharted movie. So, Uncharted is a film that's been in development hell for about seven years. It's had about six different directors. It currently has a star. It has currently lost its director. So, Travis Knight, the guy who directed Bumblebee, as well as a bunch of other stuff, really good director. I'm always banging the drum films. I think he's a genuine, amazingly talented guy. And it's such a shame because it felt like such a good marriage because he's basically very good at making Amblin-style movies. An Amblin movie you can think of that, you know, you think about films like Indy. I know it's not an Amblin movie, but it's very much inspired by and works with Steven Spielberg on. You could see this working in an Enchanted movie, but Enchanted, sorry. But yeah, unfortunately, he has stepped away because um, unfortunately, um, what's his name? Tom Holland? He's got other commitments right now, so they've had to delay production. So that is why he has walked away and they're looking for a new director. So who's more interchangeable, the lead star or the director? That's a really good This point. happens a lot in movies now, doesn't it? Where the star has more keeping or more, I don't know, longevity than the director. Yeah, well, it seems like directors get... Uh, you know, to and fro off of movie on off and on of movies a lot these days, but yeah, it's, it's never a good sign. Though, it is, it? is that's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know who should we, who would you who could do this? They fucking get Steven Spielberg, man. If you can't get, he, everyone's trying to mimic the guy. Mm. He ain't doing anything at the moment. Yeah, you know, he's counting his Ready Player One dollars still, right? <laughs> fucking give it to him. He don't need no dollars. Uh, saying that, do we need another? Uh, grey haired white middle aged dude doing a, a directing film probably not we could probably look a little bit further very kind of you to say middle aged for 
78 year old Steve Spielberg <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point um, but a film that is still in development is Deadpool 3 that is happening Marvel Studios are going ahead with this with Disney's guys Ryan Reynolds confirms good this news. that is good news the only thing is is I don't know if it's a good thing or not or I'm always saying to be sceptical about is that Disney aren't known for R-rated movies right <laughs> and this will be the first one with Disney well, if, if it is R-rated no one knows at the moment right mm. and Deadpool obviously does it in such a fourth wall meta-breaking way. They've done that cut once upon a time, once upon a Deadpool, mm. which is literally like just watch the trailer for it. That's all you need to see. Really, mm. is that scene with him and the, the guy in the bed? Like, but why are you doing this? Because I'm a fan. What of? Like, I, I really like Princess Diaries. It's, yeah, yeah, but why? Yeah, because Disney. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> they even talk about it then. So, what does that mean? Are we going to get the R-rated Deadpool we know and love, or because Marvel Studios are going to be actually? getting their fingers on this does that mean Kevin Feige is going to be getting his hands involved and does that mean it's going to become connected and does that mean do we need to have an R-rated movie anymore can you do the R-rated humour in a way which isn't R-rated who knows there's lots of questions there I don't think Ryan Reynolds is going to uh, do it if it wasn't the Deadpool we know and love I think this needs to be a smash hit because now it's been two and a half years since Deadpool 2 Hmm. like a lot of people are starting to throw shade at it which for the record I enjoy it also, we've had like six movies in 2019 that either starred or had a cameo with Ryan Reynolds in, being Ryan Reynolds. Now, his shtick is fucking brilliant, mm. but his shtick over six different movies in 2019, you do sit there and go, ah, oh, I get it, dude. Like, this is you. You're just being you. And yeah. Like, just be careful with pacing and timing because eventually it's going to get to a point where you're going to go, why? I don't know. Not another thing with you talking wise, you know? It's, it's, you can always have, you can have too much of a good thing, and Ryan Reynolds is starting to push that needle. Maybe you might be on something there. You, he's utterly charming, but everyone's got a everyone's got a, a ceiling, and you don't want to go past it. I call it the James Corden ceiling. Right? <laughs> so well, he about, went past his. Well, about he went years ago, but <laughs> at one point he was doing hosts in the UK. He was on a very well-known sitcom, and everyone liked him. Didn't love him, liked him. Then everyone started loving him. Then he made it in America. Then now, you just sit there and go, oh, as soon as his name pops up, you groan a little bit. And I'm not saying that would ever happen with Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds is a far bigger star than James Corden will ever be. But I'm just saying that there is a point. There is a ceiling, like you say. He's and become a bit of a punchline, hasn't he? No. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is getting that far. But uh, I think it's... I'm feeling good about Deadpool 3. No one ever makes... A bad third movie, the second one, as we know. It's usually the second one, to be fair. (laughs) Mighty Ducks 3, brilliant. Classic, classic, classic. classic. Do you know they're rebooting that? Are they? Yeah, so they're rebooting it on Disney+. And this is the synopsis. Anyway, from memory. TV show or film? TV show. Okay. Um, From the synopsis, and bear in mind, I read this like a couple of months ago, so please excuse any inaccuracies. But essentially, it's about a kid... Because Mighty Ducks continued. It yeah. was just a sports team. Yeah. A hockey sports team. Mm. And it was going on for generations. A kid was playing for the Mighty Ducks. He got kicked off the team for being too violent. So his mum starts a new hockey team. But it's not the fucking Mighty Ducks then, is it? Sounds like a pretty hard team. Yeah, it sounds like a bloke. I mean, you're trying to tell me that the team that used to have the Bash Brothers couldn't <laughs> cope with anyone else. <laughs> 
But uh, but yeah, it's weird. I, I don't call it the Mighty Ducks if he's not going to be playing in the Mighty yeah. Ducks. I'm not going to be ruining my childhood by watching that flinty. Well, a film that didn't ruin previous incarnations was Doctor Sleep. Anyway, in my opinion, uh, for the record, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I thought the fact they managed to juggle between a sequel to the book and a sequel to the movie without being exclusive to one another was a challenge which Mickey Flanagan, Mickey Flanagan, sorry, Mike Flanagan, <laughs> done to great effect. And anyway, there is going to be the DVD coming up very, very soon. And there's going to be a three-hour cut of this, a director's cut, which is going to include a lot more scenes containing Rebecca Ferguson in, who was an absolute breakaway star from that, mo- from that movie. She's obviously a breakaway star in general. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Three hours of that. So what's the uh, what's the original? How how much longer have they put on? I think they've added forty minutes. Forty minutes. Yeah, something like that. Not bad. I mean, it was, it was it was an underrated movie from from last year. The Irishman has proved that we are prepared to sit through <laughs> near on four hours of movies. So oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with uh, <laughs> the Irishman's getting so much love. Don't get me wrong, it's a good film, but like you could you could shave an hour out of that film and still get uh, like, if you took an hour out of that movie, it's a masterpiece. Mm. And the hour in, like that ending, I still can't get on with the ending. Of that I, film. I admire, I admire Scorsese for making yeah, that long. But it's like he's making a statement. He's like, kids, sit down. This is cinema. <laughs> Two films for the price of one. Yeah, Boom. watching it on your mobile phone in the bathtub. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the two trailers that I really wanted to talk about. So one of them is the sequel to A Quiet Place. Uh, at the moment, we know it as A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm. The trailer dropped for it, I think, on Christmas Day or New Year's Day. I can't remember one or the other. Um, this looks awesome. Yeah, I I have avoided it because I've still not watched the first one, Flinny. I know you're going to kill me for this, but oh, I'm not. I, no way I'm watching the second trailer when yeah, I'm yeah, seeing the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, you've done right. So I won't go into details of that. But if you are like John and somehow this has dropped off your radar, see a quiet place. Seriously, I think you can buy it on Amazon Prime really cheap at the moment. Uh, it is worth the price of admission. Trust me. Uh, it's written by your guy. I can never remember his name. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yes, and he is his first. Uh, First time out in the director's chair, and obviously the second time out will be doing the sequel. Emily Blunt is the lead in this. Absolutely amazing. It taught us that horror can be done in so many different ways. It did spark this new trope of horror movies to base it around the sense. Mm. So the sense was that basically there's this species of aliens that has take, tried to take, kind of taken over the world and they attack only using sound. So if you don't make a sound, they don't bother you. And that leads to lots of questions like how do you fart? How do you close a door? What do you do when you sneeze and everything else? But there's a lot of tension that comes with that. And yeah, like I say, it kind of spawned a load of other movies where you have like Bird Box where it's like, oh, they can't see. And you know, yeah, yeah. you record a podcast, for me. What's, <laughs> well, what's, what's the point in life? What's the, po- what's the podcast in the world? You know what? <laughs> if we were in the world of a quiet place and we were still producing, we might actually make it to the top of the charts again just because no other fucker would be producing <laughs> anything. <laughs> but saying that, do you know, like in 2018, something like 60%, that was a 60% increase in podcasts, like in terms of channels being created. 60%? Yeah, and the average, the average number of episodes per podcast was free. So I can only, cla- I can only think it was start intro and doing a podcast... <laughs> Episode two, sorry it's been so long since my last episode, and episode three, finale, because we spent too fucking long trying to do this. <laughs> that's not me throwing shade, that's me acknowledging how fucking hard it is to, to do these things. Anyway, Quiet Place 2, get on it. Let's talk about something you have seen. 
We're talking about, this is probably one of the most hyped movies of 2020, which we'll talk about in the feature later on. Tenet, spelled mm. backwards, which I do believe is a palindrome. Ooh. What did you think of the trailer? It was so Nolan, wasn't it? Oh my God, it's so timey-winey bastard. Um, brilliant, though. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It has all the Nolan tropes. I think it's going to be interesting and bold. Uh, very much looking forward to it. I hope it's not kind of feel like too familiar because the trailer does does feel a bit very inception-y yeah it's like how many of these kind of time warpy movies can you make before it becomes too gimmicky uh, too gimmicky yeah but he does them better than anyone he Um, does so I'm definitely gonna fork out for this one oh my Um, god mate there's three words and three words which I think will own 2020 and they are John David Washington he is such a good actor. First of all, he carries the horrible mantle of having your dad being Denzel <laughs> and still made being a great actor in your own right. If you do not believe that, go watch Black Klansman. Go watch Ballers. He is incredible and mm. he looks like he is pulling in a great performance in this. Elizabeth Deblicki, who is incredible as well. And we got Batman in it as well with Robert Pattinson. And obviously his good luck charm. You saw in a blink and miss it scene, Michael Caine who has been in tons of his movies as well. I reckon that's the extent of his performance in this movie. It's one I of hope those. so. <laughs> I hope so. After his Brexit comments, I'm like, I fucking love you, Michael. But shut up, mate. He's from a different time. Oh, I'm boy. from a different time. I believe it's better to be poorer outside the EU than it is to be richer in it. Now, excuse me, why I go live in my lovely mansion with my <laughs> private health care and all of my family having the best of life can bring them. Oh, Shut yeah. the fuck up, Michael. You're <laughs> out of the conversation, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, here, here. politicalness aside, Tenet looks great. That The whole concept about the timey whiny stuff, yeah, you're right. Uh, there's a video that was doing around last year. I think we talked about it and... Um, around August time it was a lot of it was filmed in Germany mm-hmm. and they closed off this uh, motorway for it and this person was recording it on their phone but if you were thinking how are they doing these effects mm. like, they must be doing some fucked up stuff with the frame rate or maybe they're doing some other stuff no they were literally getting people to reverse really slowly <laughs> Whilst at the same time, other people were walking forwards on the street, uh, and like loads, uh, basically everyone was moving in a different direction at a slightly different speed. Right. And he is obviously using effects to speed it up a little bit, but it's real life. Uh, it's like um, also the same way they made the video for the scientist yeah. for um, Coldplay. Yeah. Where he just got really good at walking backwards, backwards. and learning to speak the the lyrics backwards. It's obviously kind they of over it, but. It, I, I find that really nice, actually. It's like you think all these are, you know, so he's doing something super clever, super technology. Nah, just doing stuff backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, that TV show, I don't know if you watch it, the CW have a TV show called The Flash. It's basically a riff on The Flash and the Flash universe and everything else. And the effects, nine out of ten times, is him running at the speed of light. It's The Flash, you can run at the speed of light, or very fast to it anyway. And essentially, all they do is just, he just goes, you can't see what I'm doing because it's the medium of a podcast, but imagine me doing the running man in slow motion. He just does that and then they just speed it up. <laughs> it's quite funny. But um, anyway, is there anything else you want to say on Tenet? No. Well, it's a Tenet out of Tenet from me. Well, we trailer. only got up to five, Flinty. So. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I stripped that shitty joke from the record. Anyway, that is your news from this week. 
up next. We recorded this at the back end of last year. I want to say where it was John and his wife, Jamie. Marriage Story on Netflix is available now. It's definitely going to be part of the Oscar conversation. And hopefully everyone's had a real good chance to see this. So anyway, sit back, relax and enjoy. Tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean, like take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! <laughs> Hello, John and Jamie here for Talk Filming to Me. So this week we are reviewing Marriage Story. Yes, we are. Yes. We watched Marriage Story last weekend together, right? And uh, it made me feel a lot of things. Yeah. So this is a new stream uh, Netflix original. Uh, Noah Bombach uh, direct and writ it. You say you should write about things you know. He loosely based this on his divorce, That's apparently. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really plays out the whole film because this is it's very emotional. Um, and you, you really feel it. If you have to watch it with your spouse or significant other, um, it's going to bring up some things, <laughs> uh, probably. But most, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite tough at times because basically the premise of this movie, you are, uh, start, you're starting off in a therapy session with Adam Driver's character and Scarlett Johansson's character and they are the start, uh, going through the start of a divorce. Um, And basically, the film kind of plays out this divorce that gets more and more messy. And there's custody battle over the child. And it sort of culminates in some very intense and emotional scenes. And you feel it all. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting because I feel like I don't know anyone... In, my, in our sort of generation circle who's been divorced. And I'm very fortunate that my parents did not get a divorce when I was a kid, so. You're I'm lucky. Really lucky, I know. That's not the norm, but I, I'm just, all of that is to say that I don't have any firsthand experience of divorce, but I've read in books and stuff, Eat, Pray, Love, etc. that it, it's just ugly and horrible and you end up not recognizing the person you married. And I was always like, no way. If you really want to make it nice, you can make it nice. And that's how these two people start out the movie. They're like, you know, we still love each other. Let's make this Mm. as painless and kind as possible. And it just sort of spirals. Yeah, so Adam Driver's character, basically, they're based in New York. Uh, Scarlett Hansen's um, characters kind of wants to go back and do the acting thing in L.A., uh, they've worked some musical theatre in New York together for a long time. I think just theatre, theatre. Theatre, theatre. Yeah, straight theatre. I'm very sorry for that. <laughs> uh, you, this is coming from a musical theatre actress who will not take any... Well, I think it's the straight theatre people. The straight theatre people would be annoyed if you mixed up yeah. straight theatre and musical theatre. Noah is... he's This director, he's obviously a big fan of the theatre. It's... Maybe he's based the Adam Driver character on himself a little bit. Well, Adam Driver's character, Charlie, is a director. And you, you, you see a lot of this sort of small, scrappy theatre company that he's created. And it is it does seem like a bit of a love letter yes. in that way. It's maybe a little life. self-indulgent. Uh, yeah. But it's real, because he knows that. There's a particular scene towards the end of the movie, which uh, Jamie 
was in Company on the West End and they sing a song from oh, the movie. Yeah. They sing two songs from Two the songs. And which is, by the way, is coming out on Broadway in a few months. So there's something going on there where they've uh, coordinated. Well, Company's all about marriage, isn't it? So, I mean, maybe there is a like concerted marketing effort there. I wouldn't be surprised, but Company is all about the messiness of partnership. So I think it was pretty apt. Mm. So let's get into the uh, meat of this movie then. So, two hours fifteen, sailed by. Um, very intense. Uh, it, it, an interesting sort of intense though, because it's just emotionally a bit of a marathon, isn't it? Because mm. this, you're just slowly seeing this divorce get more messy. These two people that seem nice and interesting, are slowly you're seeing. You you do see the good sides of their characters, but you also get to see the really darker sides. Uh, and it's very uncomfortable to watch at times. There's a particular scene that you probably may have, I think it's gone a little bit viral because someone's put them acting it without them. Oh and, yeah. And uh, having a go at the acting in it, which is taken way out of context and a bit unfair to be fair. It's interesting because I watched it mm. attached to one of those tweets that yeah. is taking the mick out of the acting. And out of context, it does seem kind of bad. Mm. But in context, I assure you, it did, I did not at all find that glaring. I thought that scene was really good in the context of the film. Same here. I thought Adam Driver particularly pulls off an amazing performance. Yeah, he's he. I think I think he's really magnetic to watch in everything, but really good in this. He is, and he's got one of them faces. Um, <laughs> we saw an amazing tweet. I've got our, it said. Adam Driver's the proof that you have to be a tiny bit ugly to be truly attractive. <laughs> and I think that, I just couldn't stop thinking about that through the whole movie. Well, he's just interesting looking, isn't he? Yeah. He's just interesting looking. But he pulls off an incredible performance, I think. The film kind of starts off 50-50, uh, telling both sides of the story, and it ends up being more about him. Um, yeah, I think... Which is understandable, given that it's written by Noah, who's basing it loosely on his divorce. So, um, but yeah, Scarlett Hansen, I think puts in an amazing performance as well. There are a couple of scenes we both feel it was just a little rehearsed. It was weird because she's a great actress and there were, there were so many gorgeous moments of mm. her performance, but there were a few just like scene moments that almost sounded like she was reading off the script or like it was a rehearsal or something to me. Like it almost hadn't settled into her body or something. And there wasn't it, many layers, not much subtext. It was sort of... No, it, it just didn't feel quite um, settled. I, that's that's mm. the best way I can describe it from an acting perspective. I'm obviously not as accomplished as she is. Um, but for me, when I get a script, I kind of have to like, it takes a long time for me to really make sense of the words and for it to sound fresh. Mm. Um, and it just didn't quite sound that way. It's only, only certain moments, but it did distract me. Yeah. In her defense, she is playing an actress. Maybe there's something <laughs> there, but yeah, there were a few scenes that it, they just, there wasn't much subtext about her acting. Um, but on the whole, I think she it's a, it's a really good performance from both of them. Yeah, very um, varied. Very varied. It's also interesting... Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, you go. Um, I thought it was interesting that you don't quite know who to root for. You're kind of rooting for them both in some moments. And then in other moments, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> what is, 
oh, never mind. It's not great for you anymore. And then you see the other person and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you that by the end, you are kind of, um, you just see a bit more of Charlie, which is Adam Driver's character, and you're kind of like behind him a little bit more to like get his shit together. Mm. At least I was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it becomes more and more clear that he is not quite, he's just not dealing with it and not quite there with it all. Uh, so around the two central characters, you've got these lawyers, uh, which are amazing characters. They're kind of caricatures of what you imagine divorce lawyers to be. Um, there's the really nice old man that's just like, oh, maybe you guys can work it out, and naively. And then you've got Ray Liotta, who plays the <laughs> complete oh. dogged arsehole lawyer that's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna get custody, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do them. He played over. his lawyer, Charlie's lawyer. Yes, and Scarlett Johansson's character, uh, has, her lawyer's name, Nora Dern. Nora Dern, who plays a really good performance of a sort of the feminist. Uh, sort of angle, getting full custody of the child, They're, and it gets messy, they're trying to prove each other's not a fit, fit parent, so it's very dicey, um, but it plays out, it's, it's really well paced, I think you feel the scenes properly, um, it's, it deserves all the plaudits it's getting, and I think Netflix have done a really good, I think they needed a, a few more of these sort of Netflix originals because it works so well. This is a film you want to watch at home. Definitely. You don't need to watch this in the theatre. You want to. You can watch it at home uh, with your partner, feeling a bit awkward. <laughs> uh, both wanting to sign a prenup straight after, but I not feel like we paused the film several times to be like, we're not going to divorce, right? Like, yeah. Never going to divorce. No divorces. Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, I I thought Laura Dern as the lawyer was so good she because brilliant, yeah. she delivered such a clear sort of portrayal of that like really compassionate, smooth talking mm. when she's talking to her client and then like super brutal and tough in the courtroom yes. and to the other lawyer and like absolutely all business. Um, and when she talks to the Adam Drive's character, it's just, I'm going to say it really nicely, but I'm going to tell you something really awful that you don't want to hear. And yeah. it's just, it was, which I totally imagine is probably what a divorce lawyer's main role is, to be honest. Um, There's also a great scene when they're hammering out some of the details before it goes to trial, where the lawyers are just talking to each other over the heads of their two clients and just being absolutely horrible, mm. horrible. And then when they take 10 to eat... Laura Dern's like, Charlie, I love your work in New York. You're an absolute genius. And it was just, I thought it was hilarious. It's, yeah, it's really, really good. I think this, for me, I, I don't know if I can give it a five out of five. I've seen many reviewers. It's got something like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience scores slightly lower, about 83%, I think. Uh, for me, it's a four out of five. I think it's nearly there. Uh, there just might be a tiny whiff of self-indulgence for me and a couple of times the acting just wasn't quite there. Um, not from Adam Driver. <laughs> but I know that's controversial and I love Scarlett Johansson but I just felt, like we said, a couple of scenes. But for me it's a four. What about you? Well, I agree. Hmm? I think it's a four. Uh, that's good. Otherwise I... you better get yourself a lawyer. <laughs> I didn't think that the company song was self-indulgent. I thought it was a really beautiful moment. Did Who you knew he could sing? Yeah. Mr. Adam Driver. And also, 
that performance of it was, you thought was particularly good because yeah he started off jokey he was kind of taking the piss he couldn't it, like his singing wasn't that great in the beginning of the song so he was sort of just taking they were like just doing a stagey karaoke thing and as it started to become more real it just it, it was just you could see I don't know I'm sorry I'm being so inarticulate but a switch flipped and it, I thought it was beautiful and beautiful to watch um, four out of five for me yes some acting moments from Scarlett Johansson were a little bit iffy and just a quick aside mm-hmm. sorry I know we're probably on a clock here um, Scarlett Johansson that's what you guys call her um, we call her Scarlett Johansson maybe that's just me I no, 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 you're making me feel paranoid sorry sorry I've heard other British people say that Johansson Johansson mm-hmm. Johansson Johansson well there you go <laughs> Maybe that's a debate for another week. <laughs> but um, there you go. Marriage Story, four out of five. Check it out on Netflix. It's well worth your time. Yes. Bye-bye. When we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. So 2020 is upon us. The cinematic doors will be opening to some of the films that we have been speculating and talking about over the last countless podcasts. And I want just to take a moment to sit back with John, talk filmy style about what are the films that we are looking forward to most over the next 12 months. Obviously, we don't know everything that's coming out, but we just talk about what we're really hyped for. And also maybe where there might be some question marks. So look, we'll go back and forth on this. You know, back in the old day, we used to kind of listify it. We won't go that far, but we'll, we'll have a bit of fun with it. So John, I'm going to talk about a film that I absolutely hope to be adoring for the rest of my days. And Go on. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh. Now, I, I am hyped for this, but I'm also very scared for Scared. This. So, over the, over the holidays, Amazon were doing their Prime members sale. Oh, that's twice I've picked them up in this podcast. Guys, send us a moolah our way. Um, I purchased Ghostbusters in 4K to watch with my daughter, who absolutely fucking loves it, by the way. And um, also, don't buy stuff in 4K that wasn't made in the era of 4K because <laughs> they've just got my money right they just ripped me off because I, I, I watched it and I was like oh, it's kind of grainy yeah I mean the, the picture looks kind of sharp but it's not in 4K because obviously this was made in like the 80s and there wasn't 4K cameras so anyway that aside lesson learned there but um, I was there thinking this film is so good like the pacing of it the, the use of practical effects and this is another reason why I think maybe that 2016 movie didn't able to capture the juice that made the original movie so good. The practical effects. I'm not talking about the the ghosts and the spectres they put. In. It was stuff like the library scene when the librarians walking past and the, the the shuffle cards come flying out. The way how the 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 goo falls off of stuff. I absolutely love that sort of stuff, and I really hope that they can capture that. In the trailer, you know, we heard a lot of people talking about the trailer, the Stranger Things vibe. They even fucking went and got one of the kids from Stranger Things to be in it, for Christ's sake. It feels like they've spent a lot of time talking about the passion they have for this movie and, like, reminding you and bringing the nostalgia. You know, we've got that, that nice jelly member berry feeling from it. But let's not forget it's a comedy, and let's not forget that it was very much based in a... Small, smallish scope and a lot of practical effects. I really hope they bring that. But Paul Rudd, 
you got the the son of the director and original writer with Dan Aykroyd. Well, Dan Aykroyd wrote the original with him. But, um, you know, Phineas, I've got high hopes, but I'm scared. Mm, I agreed. I feel like 2016 movie wasn't, uh, wasn't great, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not going to live long in the memories of, you know, this generation. But hopefully they've worked on that. They've sorted it out. Mm. They have, but okay, so here's things that kind of scare me from it. Other than the fact that um, you know they're, they're revisiting this hologram, one, like it's a new cast which you know we've had before, obviously. Two, they're kind of doing that riffing off Stranger Things thing, which is either going to work really, really well or it's not going to work too well. Also, they're kind of they've taken the Ghostbusters out of New York, mm. like they're taking them to this suburban town. They're, they're, they're like if you think like what are the things that make the Ghostbusters Ghostbusters? Well, New York's almost like a character mm. in those films. So can it can it do that as well? But hey, look, we've got Bill Murray, we've got, we've got Paul Rudd, you've got McKenna Grace in this, you've got Kerry Coon. You know, just to name but a few amazingly talented people. So, look, I think the best time to come after a franchise is after someone screwed the pooch of it because you know there's been mistakes. There's pitfalls. You can mm. see. Someone's already laid a map for you. Avoid that. So, let's see where they go. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something I've been looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, I actually saw the trailer for it earlier on. Uh, looks brilliant. You, this is actually out. You're going to say Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> no. In a couple of weeks, I'm looking forward to Tenet though. Uh, a couple of weeks, Bombshell. Uh, ah, Nicole yes. Kidman, Margot Robbie, and oh, who plays Megan Kelly? Uh, I can't remember the other one, but basically, this is. Sorry? Shelly Thrower, how could I forget Adam <laughs> Fint's wife? Um, I wish, pal, I wish. <laughs> so the three, these three women uh, play Megan Fox, Gretchen Carlson, and someone else. So this is all uh, happened, you know, five years ago at Fox News in America. Mm. Roger Ailes uh, is obviously not with us anymore, but he, I'm guessing, is going to be portrayed as an absolute monster. And it's all about the cover-up of the sexual assault claims that happened at Fox News and the general harassment that happens around that workplace. So this is fresh in the minds the of people. The zeitgeist of people, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is, so this has come from um, the, I don't think it's Adam Kay, McKay, who did um, The Big Short, ah, yeah, but it's yeah, from yeah, the producer. And, and yeah, it's, it's from uh, a couple of the people in that era. And I've, I feel like, because The Big Short is balls out it's and advice, he don't fuck around. No, yeah, I, you're right there. I'm hoping this is going to be like that, and hopefully, maybe it will serve a purpose of getting some people to think twice about <laughs> watching Fox, Fox News. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, it looked great from this trailer, and I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna catch a lot of people's imaginations uh, and inform people as well. So with that though. Mm. It's got great writing in it, and I agree, like, it's a great story to tell. And apparently Margot Robbie, as part of her research for the role, she basically created a new, a, like, a fake Twitter account and used that to follow a bunch of journalists to try and just understand... She's done a bunch of other research. I'm not saying that's the only thing she's done, but Mm. I was reading about this the other day, about how she got lost in troll... Not her being trolled, but following trolls on the internet and understanding their behaviour about what they're seeing and what they're interpreting from these female journalists. Mm. And just like, fucking hell. I don't, imagine putting up with that sort of shit all the fucking time. Well, fair play to Margot Robbie. Yeah, she's really, 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 bringing a, a really great... <laughs> she's really braving the, the trenches there. But I'll tell you a movie that I am looking forward to. Go on then. So, I, I like my sci-fi. Oh, yeah. 
and I like really interesting people. And some very interesting people, one of them being Christian Stewart, she is going to be starring in a film called Underwater. Now, when was the last time we had, A, a good sci-fi movie, which is kind of horror-y, but weird and trippy? I can't think of one in recent memory, really. and Not anything outside of Ridley Scott's work, anyway. So, uh, there we go. Oh, what's it called? Life? That one you hated. Oh, God. That was true. Uh, anyway, so this one's called Underwater. It's obviously set underwater, thousands of legions under the sea. And it's got people like Christian Stewart, TJ Miller, who you wouldn't necessarily associate him with horror, but comedy and horror, you know, it's not too far stretch the imagination. And this just looks really interesting. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I'm, the more I see, the more excited I get about this. This does has the classic sci-fi trope of everyone hanging around a, a white glowing table and looking worried. <laughs> that, that, that seems to be the sort of trope in those movies. But anyway, this movie is ready to go. It's going to be PG-13 though, so... Mm, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a bad sign. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, I'm all in for that. Uh, I know one that you're looking forward to, and I am definitely close to our childhood dreams. Bill and Ted face the music. Oh, yes. Uh, so... We've got Keanu Reeves and Samara Weaving, who hasn't done a movie since Bill, the last Bill and Ted. The other guy. <laughs> the other guy. Uh, so they're basically playing the same characters, but middle-aged dads who are trying to get the band back together, so to speak. Um, I'm hoping it's not going to be a flop. I, I do trust Keanu. He just, even when he's bad, he's good. Uh, no, bad. Like, even, oh, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Always be my baby. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, like it's on Netflix. Watch mm. it. It's a comedy. We reviewed it. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. We did review it. I watched it. It was good. His cameo. His cameo. Yeah, yeah. Just that scene where he's just like, <laughs> "Do you have any meals about time? I mean, just the concept of time." <laughs> like, ah, oh, and bring some whale music. And I, I love like seriously. There's nothing that man can't do at the moment. In fact, uh, sorry, I don't want to derail. Sorry, you were saying. No, no, no. Okay, I'm, so I'm done. I'm that's. That's probably not much to the movie. I think it's going to be enjoyable. <laughs> Bill and Ted. There we go. In fact, you see those photos. Death was tweeting. <laughs> Death was tweeting a photo from set of him in his get-up hanging out with Bill and Ted. Oh, amazing. So Death's in it. Uh, <laughs> sorry if you're trying to avoid any spoilers. That, but next, uh, not next year. I think it's the year after. You have The Matrix Four and John Wick Chapter Four coming out currently on the same day. That guy works hard. Works very hard. That's not happening. Like Warner Brothers, because both are made by Warner Brothers mm. as well. Like there, there is not a chance in hell they're going to let both of those films drop at the same time, and any chance of diluting any money coming in. Let's face it. Mm. But that's interesting for the moment. Anyway, speaking of two Goliaths bursting off against each other, fuck me, I'm built for segways. Um, one film I'm really looking forward to this year is I'm still in for my big monster movies. I really enjoyed Godzilla, King of Monsters. I know other people didn't. Ben Travis from Empire Magazine. Look, brother, you're allowed to your entire to your opinion, but that is not a one-star film. If you give Dark Phoenix two stars, you cannot give... Anyway, so I'm not going off on the run. Um, anyway, Godzilla versus King Kong. This is supposed to be the you know the, the thing this is building towards. I love a big monster mashup. I love a big versus movie. When's the last time we had a good versus movie? Well, that's what I was going to say to you. I have no faith in the versus movie. They're built to hype you up and then let you down, all with the exception of Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, <laughs> the greatest versus movie that there's ever been. Oh, what's the worst then? What's the worst? The worst. It's got, well, to, be, it's got to be fucking Aliens versus Predator. Exactly. Like, they that's the mashups. They do it to make sell the tickets, and it truly does not matter how good the movie okay, is. Just hear me out, John. Come on. Robocop versus Terminator. Okay. 
Didn't You're watch. not as hyped as I was. But I am hyped about Godzilla vs. Kong. It is still happening. It's been pushed back slightly. The release date has been pushed back to September now. But I'm very hyped for this one. Uh, just to kind of finish off my ones in terms of things that I'm really, really, really looking forward to, I'm going to go with Coming to America, the sequel, the long-awaited sequel to Coming to America. I was not hyped about this movie until Dolomite Is My Name came out. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Eddie Murphy with the bit between his teeth, with James L. Jones reprising his role, with John Avmas involved as well, and Craig Bill being involved in this. Yes, bring it. And uh, you know what? Did you watch um, any of Eddie Murphy back on Saturday Night Live? Uh, I watched a tiny bit of his monologue, yeah. Oh, it's, it's he's, he's, he's back. He's back. He's, he's back, back, baby. And he's up for it. Yes. Um, I'm just going to give special mention to a couple as well. You know, I love me a music biopic. Ah, oh, you do. So it's we've respect. got... Respect. Yeah, respect. Aretha Franklin's story. Um, you know... I have no idea it's going to be a good biopic or not, but she's got an amazing who's, who's story. Playing? Who's playing she's lead? been around to tell. Uh, so we've got Jennifer Hudson. Oh, J Hud. J Hud. When she brings it. Who? I mean, that is a. Imagine that. Do, do you want to be Aretha Franklin for a biopic? Um, that's. Um, no, no, she's probably the only person. Well, no, no, no. There's I'm, not there's, many. I'm sure there's loads of other people out there, but when you hear J Hud, like, yeah. you think, okay, she's going to smash it. Amazing. And just another, and a musical theatre, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, his first uh, musical, In the Heights, is being made into a movie. Um, so he is starring in it. Uh, we've got John Chu directing. I think that could be uh, that could be a really good one. I think the musical kind of, maybe it's a bit more cult classic, because Hamilton, you know, everyone knows Hamilton, but people don't know his first one so much. But I think... It might take quite a few people by surprise and it's going to be a unlikely hit. Hmm. Speaking of unlikely hits, uh, I don't know if it's going to be an unlikely hit, but I am Try really... Me. Well, I, I think Sonic the Hedgehog is going to be an unlikely hit. I Do you know what? I've, I'm hoping we get good Jim Carrey. Ever since they changed the whole movie they made because Sonic we great complained, I just, think, <laughs> I just think, you know, fair play to you. You've really gone above and beyond... Um, and I'm hoping because we saw Jim Carrey kind of reprise some comedic chops and it got me a little bit excited so I'm I'm with you I'm cautiously optimistic I'm and not, Sonic's a big part of my childhood yeah so. also a big part of my childhood Go bad on. boys yours maybe mine okay definitely for me <laughs> uh, it introduced me to uh, although I don't know it's, you know when like, you've been watching someone's movies all your life and you don't realise it until someone says that person made da 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 yeah I didn't realise that Michael Bay has been the the archi the, the archi I don't know what you call it the, the governor of my filmy upbringing outside the of the mastermind he's been a mastermind because like he did do some really good movies in the 90s, and mm. Bad Boys was definitely one of them. Bad Boys for Life, I'm cautiously optimistic, but Gemini Man was pretty bad. <laughs> Will Smith has not had a good movie in a little while, but maybe, just maybe, there's life in the old dog, and then we find something pretty nice here. Now, you may notice, listeners on this pod, that I have not spoke about comic book movies, just because I deliberately wanted to keep them off the table for this conversation in fact i even tweeted two separate lists of the decade for that very reason but i have to say that does not mean i am not jazzed baby uh, black widow cannot wait hit me bring me my body's ready mm -hmm. then after that we've got eternals which is a complete unknown package right uh, 
the comic book readers out there, please enlighten me. Tell me what this thing's really about and what can I expect. But you know, from that cast, oh my days, man! You've got you've got Richard Madsen, you've got uh, Angelina Jolie, you've got Kit Harrington, and I can never pronounce the gentleman's name properly, but Kamal Nanjiri, the guy from um, Silicon Valley. Have you seen him? He has got in such great shape for this film, mm. and for that alone, you know, that, that's worth the price of admission. So yeah, I'm very hyped for that. And a film, a comic book movie that I'm not hyped for, but somehow keeps pulling me in, is this Birds of Prey movie. Like it's 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 looking good. The stars are aligning for this. So so just maybe. And of course, let's not forget there's Wonder Woman to boot as well. So I suppose just to finish off, the the last thing that I'm really looking forward to is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Like, I just want to see it. You just want to see it. I just want to see it. Yeah, I just want the music. You just want to see Tom. He, you know, bring his actually, A game. He actually learned to, well, he actually learned to fly a fighter jet. Of course he did. It's Tom Cruise. He just decides what he wants to do in his big midlife crisis and he's like, make me a film about it. You know, I feel like we're getting to a point now where it's like you have to see it because he might die next time he makes a film. <laughs> not because of old age, because he's just going to do something where you yeah. go, Tom, the human body is not meant to do what you are doing. Have you seen um, anything about Free Guy? So this yeah, is yeah, Ryan Reynolds playing an NPC. Taika Waititi, Jodie Comer, Ryan Reynolds, uh, directed by Sean Levy. Our looks down our street. It does, it does, and there's some really there's a really funny interview with Ryan Reynolds promoting this film when they were announcing the cast and stuff. And him and Taika Waititi, if you don't know, they both they both work together on the Green Lantern movie. Mm. In fact, Taika Waititi was his best friend in the film. And they both acknowledge that film is not up to the snuff they would have liked it to have been. And they literally, when they're in a room together, go, this is the first time we've ever met. Yeah. And they <laughs> proper lean into it. It is so funny. Yeah, it is. And you know, to my point, though, the, the Ryan Reynolds shtick, um, is that another, another movie? You go, uh, okay, mate, maybe too much of a good thing. I don't know. But it looks good. It looks funny. We'll see. Maybe I'm just being a, a dick mood at the moment. Who knows? <laughs> but um, what about let's let's just get it off the table now, John. Are you actually excited about No Time to Die? Um, about as excited as I am for Mulan, which is not excited at all mm. because Disney have a history. Well, I'm more. Just, it's just like a <sighs> the whole Danny Boyle thing leaving because he couldn't have the creative control, and then they go get a really interesting director. In Kari Jari Fukunaka, if I pronounced that correctly, I don't know. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I think maybe now is the time to just, you know what, recast. I don't think this is going to be Skyfall 2, which is what everyone wants it to be. And I just mm. don't think we're getting that. It looks great, but I don't know, man. I'm being really sceptical because I was really disappointed with Spectre. Yeah, I've, I've way past the point of enjoying Bond movies, to be honest, but... I'll watch it if I have to, Flinny. You know me. Well, I'm well, a trooper. trooper. <laughs> right, so on that note, if there's any other films that you are looking forward to over the course of 2020, which we have not spoke about, or you want us to do a bit of research and do a bit of an info dive for you, then you know, get in contact. Speak to us on Twitter at TalkFilmWithMe. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed this and you want to hear the sort of stuff that you've just heard over the last hour or so more frequently, then click on that subscribe button we drop every week and you'll get stuff about our reviews, about our features we've got coming up, some interviews we have also in the pipeline and also the competitions we have running on Twitter at the moment. 
Uh, I want to thank my boy, John. How can people find you? You can find me at uh, on Twitter, the cesspool of life, <laughs> at Descamento. Next week, we're going to be reviewing The Gentleman, a bunch of other stuff, and we're going to deep dive into what Netflix announced earlier on today, which is they are doing about 20 original movies. But obviously, to give that some more flavour, we wanted to dive into it in a bit more a bit more filmy awesome. time for next week. 1917 is out next week as well. Oh, is it? Oh, we'll do it. We'll put it in as well. We're going to put that in. That looks good. It looks like tinnitus, if tinnitus gave you Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, the amount of people... Is it going to be triggering get... from when well, you were in World War One. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it's just the fact that everyone keeps coming out of those screens going, oh my God, it's amazing, the whole one-shot thing, really coming through. It's ah, like, oh, come on, man. We liked it in Birdman, though, didn't we? We did like it in Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stay filmy, hang in there, till next time. Bye-bye.